Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and here with me is Valerie Harkins. She's the housing specialist at Heartbeat International. So before we get started, I'd like to highlight one thing that I'm looking forward to in this new year, and that's Heartbeat International's annual conference. And our theme this year is United for Life. So if you'd like to hear more about that particular theme, how that was chosen, check out our podcast titled Why Unity Matters for Pregnancy Help. And our conference will take place in April and will feature different workshop tracks on various topics, including leadership, maternity housing, medical topics for centers, fundraising, and so much more. So head over to heartbeatservices.org to find out more and register today. So today we have a special episode for you as we celebrate Christmas and then the end of the year. And of course, this time of year, we're always looking back on the past year and a lot of reflection happens. And uh, so when Valerie told me her idea of this particular devotional, I thought that sounds perfect for a lot of what we're experiencing in the world. Um, We've seen some tragedies this year. We've seen some difficult things, even personally, some challenges we've seen friends and family go through. I know I personally have. And uh, on a bigger scale, the pregnancy help movement has seen lots of ups and downs. But as Christians, we always have that hope and we trust in God's bigger plan. So, Valerie, I'll turn things over to you to give us a message that you've prepared for us uh, to help us wrap up 2023. And as we look forward to what God has in store for us in 2024. Well, I appreciate it. Wow. It seems surreal to even be saying wrapping up 2023. Uh, that um, went fast, but it has been a good year. Yet sometimes I say that almost biting my tongue because how could I possibly say that given the year that it's been in our nation and globally, or even the last three years that it's been, there's been quite a bit of hardship um, and and suffering globally. Uh, yet I end I end the year uh, with saying it's a good year. And hopefully by the end of this podcast, um, others will be encouraged to say the same thing. So the thoughts that were on my mind were at Christmas season, peace on earth and goodwill to men. And I was thinking about how uh, you know, we hear this, these phrases right now, uh, repeated everywhere, sung in, in hymns. Uh, and it's the one time of year that we hear these phrases sung in secular settings as well as religious settings. Um, so that is always uh, a good thing, but very interesting to me as well. Uh, and so I take note of that. And so it's this time of year. And one time of year, we're all at the same time declaring the same thing, uh, which is what the angel said, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Uh, But I got to thinking about it and thinking, okay, so what is necessary for peace on earth? So what precedes that peace coming uh, and what follows that peace coming? So if we had a before, during and after, that would be before peace, during peace, after peace has come. And I I was thinking about that. And so one thought that came to my mind is that the Lord has a pattern that I see in the Bible and throughout history, as we just take note in our history books and events that have taken place, even in recent times, that the Lord has a pattern of often using events and circumstances to allow a time of conflict or a time of tension that will result in his peace and will result in our greater faith in him. Uh, So I'm going to kind of 
dig into that a little bit because I realize that sometimes realizing that times of conflict and times of tension may be counterintuitive or opposed to peace. And so I believe those two are related and we'll kind of dive into that. So Christine, just curious, uh, share your thoughts and I'll share mine too. Whenever you think of peace, if we were just saying like, what is peace? If you were going to draw a picture, let's say, you know, five-year-old <laughs> or even as an adult, if you're going to draw a picture of peace, what would your picture look like? You know, the I think of the icons that we see, like a dove, the Holy Spirit brings peace or or a peace sign and, you know, like things that you see around that are very quiet or peace could be a scene like sitting on the beach is peaceful. You're escaping from the problems. So a lot of times I think the worldview is that peace is an absence of problems in your life. Like there's no conflict. Nobody's has any sort of resentment towards each other. No tension. That's like perfect, That's perfect peace. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, whenever I was thinking that I was thinking, you know, if I were going to draw a picture of peace, I think in the picture that came to my mind was a kumbaya type picture with people <laughs> sitting around the campfire and the guitar. I was like, oh, everyone would be getting along and they'd be so happy and there'd be peace and we'd all be different and we'd love diversity and oh, that would be great. Right. And so my idea of peace was uh, that first came to mind was everyone getting along. Kumbaya. Right. Um, and as I asked other people, different answers have come to me. You know, some have said, uh, oh, the nations all worshiping together. That that's what I would draw for my picture of peace. Or uh, someone else said that uh, they would draw pictures of people just smiling. Uh, and and families, happy families, right? And so it was interesting to me to see as we just just dreamt about peace. Naturally, we dreamt of a um, conflict-free, tension-free, happy with one another uh, type of setting, and whatever that might look like. But as I was digging into the Bible, what I realized is that the Bible draws a different picture of peace and a better picture of peace. I will say that a more exciting picture of what peace looks like. Um, and so from the beginning, right away, what we find is that our gift from God, his good news to us was and has been the peace with God on earth, meaning so peace itself was a gift and it was peace with him. So people made right with God, invited to be adopted into his family, accepted from him, his wrath turned away, mercy that's undeserving given to us. So immediately peace in the word was given in the context of peace of people with God right? Uh, immediately, it wasn't given in the context of people with war, households, uh, neighborhoods, one person with another person, not that peace certainly couldn't be relevant in those contexts. But the actual definition and primary purpose of peace was to reconcile men to God. And that was the good news that that was the exciting, uh, the exciting piece of that. So if we think about that, God's gift to us has been and continues to be his peace for us with him, our reconciliation with him. That's that's peace on earth, 
mankind on earth reconciled to God. And that is the proof as the evidence of the statement of his goodwill towards men. That's what proves it. It's not in uh, physical manifestation circumstances as in uh, money or uh, comfort or health, although it certainly can be manifested in those ways. The way that God provided the tangible proof of his goodwill towards men was by providing peace and reconciliation for us with him. Uh, and I think that that's amazing because I have to admit, Christine, whenever I thought of drawing a picture of peace, I didn't think of drawing a picture of the cross, right? Mm -hmm. Or resurrection. I, I, I honestly, I thought of harmony, right? But I didn't think that peace, I didn't think of our reconciliation with the Lord. But as I'm looking into the word, a few things jump out, uh, jump out to me. So as I look deeper into the word of God to look at the need for peace, the arrival of peace and the results for peace, here's a couple of things that I see. In Luke 2, 8 through 14, I'm summarizing here, we see them say, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And then the angel said to them, you must not be afraid for I have good news for you, a great joy which will be for all the people, because a Savior was born for you, who was Messiah, Lord. Then suddenly, there with the angel, a great number of the heavenly host, praising God, and were saying, glory to God in the highest, and earth, peace and goodwill towards men. So the announcement of the arrival of peace is made here in conjunction with the announcement of the arrival of a Savior, insinuating two basic facts. One, there was no peace on earth with God preceding his arrival, and there was a present need for being saved. Thus, he provided a, a savior. But here's the here's the contrary kind of fact here, the reality where it twists. So this announcement of peace came with a pronouncement of, of violence and of bloodshed. We see in Matthew 2, 3, it says, when Herod heard the announcement of the arrival of what I'll say, the peace, the king of the Jews, he was, quote, disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. It wasn't just the king. It was the people at large. It was what we would call mankind at large. All of Jerusalem with him were disturbed at the announcement of the arrival of peace, this prince of peace, the king of the Jews, uh, which seems like. You know, if an angel came and proclaimed peace and heaven opened up and all of these angels were worshiping and they're saying, earth, worship with us, everyone on earth, worship with us because God has brought peace and shown goodwill toward men, you would think that that would mean the whole earth, right? You would think that would mean everyone. But what we see here is in reality, not everyone celebrated that, that reconciliation of man with God created a tension uh, and a war of man among other men. And so what we see is while the angels, the shepherds, the holy family, and the prophets were worshiping God with thanksgiving for the arrival of this gift, forces of evil were simultaneously springing up and resulting in the death of an estimated, modern estimates of 12 to 20 infants. And the holy family became refugees in Egypt, which, by the way, was a land of enmity to Israel. And they were there for approximately four years. That's the literal opposite of peace on earth. It's violence, homelessness, the spilling of innocent blood. And so what do we learn from this story? 
right? What do we learn from, take away from this? God comes, declares peace, provides a great gift, and then people begin dying. People begin to be homeless and run out of their land. What does this mean? Here's a couple of things. Peace with God on earth and goodwill from God toward men is not the same as peace among men on earth and goodwill from men towards men. So simply stated, we have two options that come about in life. We have peace with God, which is a gift that he offers us, and we have peace with man. And what we find in the word is those rarely, if ever, coincide. And if they do, I would challenge to say probably not for long, uh, at least until the Lord returns. What we see is that for those that accepted the peace uh, a peace and goodwill towards God that loved Jesus as their Messiah were for all of their lives from birth to death at enmity with the land and with those around them. We see this pattern over and over that when God interrupts what is happening in our world and whenever we are shifted towards righteousness with God, there is an uprising of evil on the earth. I keep trying to think of an exception to this rule, but I haven't found one yet. I, I keep thinking over and over, even in our modern history of, of what's happening, we see this happen. Uh, I, I It's not lost on me to notice that after 50 years of intercession, 50 years of repentance, the Lord shown his face on America and shifted us towards what we believe is righteousness, right? W towards God, which is legislation that protects all life and the dignity of life, uh, specifically the unborn. And there was a corporate repentance of having legislation that did not protect life, that legalized uh, the harm for that life. And so as we began our shift towards legislation that we believed was a move towards righteousness, what happened? We saw immediately an uprising of enmity of man against man, state against state. We saw even uh, if even pregnancy centers being attacked, right? We saw violence everywhere. We saw media conspiracies with lies. We saw the same pattern that peace with God, he heard us our corporate repentance and our move towards righteousness, peace with God was received and heard by God and yet resulted in a disruption on, on earth. Uh, Christine, have you, have you noticed that, that pattern that seems to happen throughout history? Yeah. You actually had me thinking about what happens in the centers, in the maternity homes where um, like a, when a client comes in, she's, pressured to have an abortion or she's just unsure and she gets into the center she talks to somebody and the truth is she wants to keep her baby she wants to be a mother and um she makes that brave choice and then she has to go back out into the world so she's accepted this good news and she's getting excited she's making a plan of how she's going to be a mom and parent her child and who's going to be there to support her. And of course the center is going to be there to support her. And she has all these people on her side and then she leaves and, you know, tells her the baby's father 
that she's going to keep the child. She's excited to raise the child. She's hoping he's on board and he rejects it. It's kind of like when we have this good news, some people are totally on board and are excited and then some people will choose to reject it. That's just always how it's going to be. And, you know, the hope and prayer is that he will always turn around and decide to support her as a mom and be a father. But the truth is sometimes he'll choose to leave and you can't do anything about that. So that battle of the good news being rejected by some is something you see on an individual level. And then, like you said, on in the U.S., as we saw Roe reverse, then there's this great rejoicing in some states and they were able to put these laws into place to protect the unborn. But then there were other states who very quickly said, all right, well, we are going to allow for any abortion at any time, no restrictions, and they've gone the opposite way. So you're right that that battle, we can have wins, but there's always going to be that battle between good and evil until the Lord comes back again. But um, so, yeah, I, I think that relates in so many big scale and smaller scale ways, whether it's an individual or it's an entire country or an entire world. So, you know, this, this statement comes to mind as we're talking about this, and it's that the presence of peace with God, so the presence of our peace, our reconciliation with God organically creates an absence of peace among men, right? It, and it seems like it one really shifts, one creates uh, an absence or a void in the other. When we choose peace with men, it seems to create a void in our reconciliation and our peace with God uh, and vice versa. When we choose peace with God, somehow it almost always puts us at enmity with other men on the earth, men being broadly humankind, of course. Yeah. It's Uh, only when we're all looking in the same direction, when we're all looking up to God, that's when we really have those great relationships with people on earth and in heaven and everything goes the way it's supposed to. Uh, actually, absolutely. So here's a couple of scriptures that I've been thinking about as I kind of close out these thoughts. Um, in Matthew 10, 32 through 39, Jesus says these words that are startling, um, but I believe startling if only we are not uh, aware of his heart. But he said, do not think that I came to bring peace upon the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but war. I came to set one against the other. The one who does not take his cross and follow behind me is not worthy of me. And the one who has found life will destroy it. And the one who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Now, let's follow that up immediately with uh, the words of the Lord, what he said in Luke 4, where he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the repentant, which is peace with God. He has sent me to preach release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send release to the oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So what we see is Jesus lines outlines this for us and helps us know he did not come to create peace on, on earth in that picture perfect kumbaya uh, sense that I saw. Actually, Jesus came to bring a war. He says that now that war is a spiritual war. He came to war against the powers and principalities that hold men in, uh, in captivity to sin. 
And he came even to the extent of sacrificing himself to set us free. And he was able to do that because the Lord anointed him to do that. So he said, my whole purpose of coming here is not to bring, bring kumbaya on the earth. My whole purpose of coming here is to war against sin, against evil, and to set the captives free, to set humankind free from sin. Those who now will fully have that full freedom of choice to choose uh, whom they want to serve for that day. So that verse in Matthew that you talked about, where Jesus said, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I remember that always being so alarming when I would hear that as a child. And I would be like, this is not good news. That doesn't sound good at all. Why is this Why is this in the Bible? But now, I, you know, I see it so much. We see it in the pro-life movement when people stand boldly for something good. It's crazy to think that you get, people get persecuted for saying that every life has dignity and value. And yet that's what we see. And so it, it doesn't make sense until you see it or experience it where people are very unhappy with something that you're like, no, this is this is such a good thing. What would be wrong with everyone getting a chance at life? But everyone who stands boldly for life has experienced some sort of persecution or some sort of pushback on that. And so then you look back at that verse and you're like, no, this is exactly the truth. This is, And there are plenty of people who have lost their life because of their faith, but you know, ultimately they're in heaven. So that's good news also. So that's just the, the perspective that we have as Christians. Absolutely. And, and- and the the other contrary point of this, uh, contrary to our flesh, rather, um, is that the Lord challenges us to enter into peace with him, enter into what he's doing with joy. And it says to take up our cross and follow him. That's what he calls what he considers worthiness. And so as we choose our peace with God, when we choose reconciliation with God, righteousness, uh, on the earth, we are also joyfully choosing that saying, God, you are worth it all worth anything. We recognize this will probably create enmity somewhere with men on the earth. And even so come Lord Jesus, you are worth it all. And we are so glad to be at work for you. You know, Ephesians six twelve reminds us that we are not at war with flesh and blood, but we're at war with evils that are present in spirits, powers, and principalities. And so to remind us that, that that's who Christ is at war with also. He is not at war with us, but he desires that all would be saved, that all would be receptive to uh, to that good news and to be made at peace with him. And so we it's important that we keep mindful of what does peace look like? Peace on earth means reconciliation of man towards God. And that we must remember that Christ promised us peace that passes understanding. We have to trust and rest in that gift of peace being given and not insist that we understand it as we go along. Christmas is such a great time to celebrate the truth of Emmanuel, God with us. Because he's with us and because his presence is accompanied by the gift of peace, we must trust the big picture that is not our ways and let his ways through the Holy Spirit do his perfect work in us. So my encouragement to everyone is to be peaceful. I wish everyone uh, love, joy, true, genuine joy and peace this Christmas. 
Thank you, Valerie. I love that you mentioned that the goal is that all would turn towards God. The goal isn't that we are winning and there are people who are losing. It's just hoping and praying that all would turn to Jesus and know his love for them and know that he can bring peace that we can't bring to each other. We have to go through him to get that peace. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to bring that to us. So uh, thank you so much for this message that we can take with us into the new year. Um, I'll share one of my favorite Bible verses about peace is uh, Psalm chapter four, verse eight. In peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. God really does want us to leave those things with him and let him bring peace and get the rest that we need. And so I hope our listeners are taking time to rest in God's peace during this holiday season. And as we start into the new year, that you all feel refreshed and ready to go. And whatever battles come with 2024, that we are encouraged and we're ready to go and that we have each other's support as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Valerie, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the Heartbeat team. I am grateful for everyone who is working to bring peace and life in the pregnancy help movement to uh, provide hope to women who need it. And on behalf of the Heartbeat International team, we wish you all a very blessed Christmas and a wonderful start to your new year in 2024. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.